walking down the street with my sack of tricks. No one ever guessed it's my bag of dicks. It's the podcast. Yeah, it's the podcast. I said I'm walking down the street with my sack of tricks. No one ever guessed it's my bag of dicks. It's the podcast. Motherfucking podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. This is episode number 34 with Groovy Afterlife. I'm your host, Finn. Find all these shows and episodes on TerraSpaces.org. Joining me from Groovy Afterlife. Didn't even ask his name. Groovy Afterlife. How's it going? It's all good, man. Everything is okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. What, sh- what should we call you? What do you go uh, as? Oh, my name is Bob. Bob? Yeah. Perfect. That's me. Perfect. I've, I, I've met a lot of Bobs in my time, and they've all been really cool, so it's good to meet another <laughs> one. <laughs> so your uh your nft project already launched uh and it looks <laughs> like you're you're on like every blockchain i could think of and then a few that i never really even heard of uh what what got you started on on that path as far as like diversifying throughout the different chains that there weren't that many projects doing it and um, I mean, I can understand, right? Like if you want to consolidate your community, then you tend to pick one chain. But our project is generative art. And it, I think it benefits us to be on multiple chains because that way we can kind of bring communities from multiple chains together so that alpha can be shared. I mean, we have people in our community who are like phantom native and they focus on just like phantom DeFi and the stuff that's happening there. And then Solana as well and Terra. And so it's it's just nice. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a multi-chain person myself. I'm not like a blockchain maxi. I like to just be Present on, on as many chains as I can, especially if I see that stuff is happening, interesting stuff is happening. And not not specific to the NFT space. I mean, I'm also a big DeFi head. So it's, yeah, it's just interesting, um, you know, seeing what's happening on all these chains, playing around and yeah, possibly profiting, sharing information, you know. That's cool. Kind of see what works and stuff. Uh, people yeah. can check out groovyafterlife.xyz. That's the website. You can check out this cool groovy art. Uh, what got you down the road of making like trippy art and stuff? Was it like something that, that inspired you specifically or is that just kind of your vibe from the get-go? Psychedelic. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I think I took my first um, handful of mushrooms on a beach in Thailand. It was it was called um, Koh Phangan. It was where they have the moonlight parties and stuff every uh, every oh, wow. fortnight. And there's this one little beach. It's called Hadrin. It's still. I'm I'm, I'm sure it's still. Uh, you know, there. It's still probably fantastic. It's one of those little beaches on the island where it's kind of. Sep- I, I think it's still. I could be wrong, but I think it's still separated from the rest of the island by road. So you have to take a long boat, like a long tail boat, uh, to and from that particular beach. So it was quite secluded. And the one cool thing about this beach is you have only two bars. It's like. I don't know, man, like 20 bungalows built into the side of this like mountain, really, with like kind <laughs> of awesome. jungle and stuff. And one one of the bars on one side of this beach uh, is the weed bar. And then the other bar has uh, magic mushroom milkshakes. Oh, wow. this is many years ago. I don't actually know if they <laughs> this, this is, is in, still there now. in Thailand. But, um, that sounds like something Thailand. you would find in Amsterdam. But I, I've, I've only been to Amsterdam. I've never been to Thailand, so I can't really speak from experience. But that's when when I hear mushroom milkshake, like I instantly think either uh, Amsterdam or Oregon, you know. And it wasn't even like, you know, on the hush hush, like you got to whisper and stuff. It was like on the menu. It was like on the on this nice. board, like on the back of the bar. Like it was for everybody to see. Like, oh, you want a magic mushroom milkshake? No problem. We'll grab some, fri- some fresh mushrooms. You can pick your flavor of ice cream. We'll blend it for you right here and right now. And feel free to enjoy it either in the bar or you can go out to the beach and enjoy it. That's amazing. <laughs> did, did you do you live out there or was this like just a place you went on vacation or on travels or what's that story? Yeah. So, yeah. So many years ago, the, the first time I think I was in Thailand, that was that was my trip. Um, subsequently, I did move to Bangkok for about a year. Not, not my kind of town. I mean, it's cool and all. It just wasn't me. Uh, at the time, I was living in China. So it was like, you know, 
a one and a half, two hour flight uh, to Bangkok, sorry, to Bangkok and then to, you know, go to the islands. Um, so yeah, at the time it was a holiday. Um, and so, I mean, like that's, that was one of the first like very intense psychedelic experiences um, that I had and those patterns, like <clears throat> I'm, I'm the kind of person, and I think most people who are um, into mushrooms in particular tend to be kind of like outdoorsy nature kind of people. Like if you're tripping, you kind of want to be outside. You want to be, you know, among like um, just trees and plants and shrubs and rock and ocean and oh, sand yeah. and that kind of stuff, you know, because you see all these amazing patterns. Whereas, I mean, of course, there are people who like to just kind of be indoors. They turn the lights off. They put on like headphones and they do that kind of trip, the internal trip. But I'm more of like, you know, go out and explore nature and just look at the patterns and leaves and, and on the bark of trees and stuff. Um, so I can say, OK, it began there. But like, I mean, it's it's a combination of things, right? My inspiration, like I've done a lot of uh, more than my fair share of LSD as well. Um, I, <laughs> I've done, yeah, just, just, uh, a lot. And so, okay. I was, I see why Raph hooked us up. We are, we are of the same cloth here. I love it. Oh <laughs> um, that's, uh, it's, it's just nice. Yeah. Um, getting, getting to know people who've like kind of, you know, part partaken in that kind of stuff. Cause you see things that people who never yeah. have would never see, would never really know about the world. And it's know? hard the, to explain it to them. Cause if they have no reference point, you can just be like, yeah, I, I just, I trip my balls off. And then in their head, they think it's like some shit they saw on TV where you're seeing like weird cartoon characters and shit. And it's like, no, it's nothing like that. It's very, sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it can be much less subtle, but it, the majority of times, you know, it, it's very like, wavy and and subtle and and it breathes and it it vibes and moves you know like and it's hard to depict that i guess in in movies because all we ever really see is people eat one hit of acid next thing you know they're in like roger rabbit land you know like cartoon world (laughs) yeah Yeah, each trip is so personal to the human being and it's it's like set and setting as well it's like your headspace at the time what's going on with you where you're at like it's it's just yeah it's interesting um but so okay like all of this was kind of like sitting inside me and so um i would say maybe like a few weeks before like i actually like started working on the art for this project i was i was surfing so i live in bali and we just have you know fantastic beaches good surf and i mean of course like we're still kind of experiencing a bit of a covid downturn so i mean like i'm not complaining man because there's not that many people out in the water it's just fantastic right. you don't have to worry about bumping into other people and stuff <laughs> so i was i was out in the water i was kind of like there, there were like i would you can count like maybe like three or four other people out in this massive sort of um, break Um, and I'm just like sitting there on the board like in between sets kind of just catching my breath the sun is shining and I'm looking at some of these um, these patterns like it's it's a it's a reflection of the sun on on the on the ocean itself but you know the ocean is never calm you know it's always rippling and gurgling and you know it's soupy so it's it's uh so just i i don't know like there was something in there that just kind of spoke to me and it was like okay and obviously you know once you've done a bunch of psychedelics you sometimes get these flashbacks you get memories of patterns that you've seen um mostly geometric but not always and and that was where it just kind of hit me like a ton of the like a ton of bricks you know i was like okay i i see the inspiration for for the kind of art that i want to make um, and I, and I didn't know that much at the time about generative art, particularly about like actually generating them. I mean, I, I could have, I could have made, you know, maybe four or five or maximum 10 or 20 by myself by hand. Um, but I, but I also like started doing a little bit of research into like, how do you, how do you make generative art? And, um, I picked up a little bit of, um, no JS code. Um, obviously, you know, YouTube is fantastic, right? For that stuff. Um, so I picked up a little bit of no JS code and I, and I, so I blended the two. So I made like 50 base layers drawn by hand on illustrator and those skills came. I mean, I, I'm not formally trained in like uh, graphic design or anything, but, um, I started a probiotic chocolate company man, this must have been like seven or eight years ago when I was living in Shanghai. And I had to do everything for myself. So I actually had to teach myself Photoshop and Illustrator because I was doing the branding, the labels, you know, all the marketing and stuff. So, I mean, I still had these skills. So I'm like, okay, let me play around and see what like, what stuff I can come up with, particularly, you know, for generative art. So I hand drew these like 
50 different base layers with these patterns. And then I just ran a little bit of um, NPM, uh, you know, command just to kind of stitch them together in these random ways. And and that's what I that was the, that was the first edition of uh, of the of Groovy Afterlife. That's and since awesome. then, I've, I've kind of like tweaked and I've, I've done a bunch of other things. And I've actually released like like different collections on top of the, the Groovy Afterlife platform, all in a similar theme using, you know, just the same command line stuff. That's cool. It seems like once you get that code figured out, then it's just a matter of, and, and the, the art of it, I mean, obviously, besides drawing the, the base layers and everything, is kind of figuring out like, all right, now which variables do what, you know, like I change one thing, yeah. render it and see what it does, and then just kind of go from there. I, I used to do that yeah. on my old uh, graphing calculator, like you'd make the graphs make like cool vector art things and like fractals almost. Uh, and then you just no idea what they did. I just knew if I changed some numbers, like it made some cool looking shit. <laughs> and that's art. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we live in fantastic times. Right, I don't think like right. anyone could have done this. Like Da Vinci would have killed for, for like a graph, like a computer, and a little bit of like knowledge about algorithms. I think. For real, he would have killed for like a pen and a piece of regular paper, probably. <laughs> I'm just like picturing you out there like on the surf and then completely just as we tend to be uh, a little like airheadish and get lost in moments of like grandeur in, in the things we're seeing. And then not a not the NFT art idea hitting you like bricks, but probably like a wave that you just didn't see coming and then just like knocks you off your board and then like Eureka, the idea comes. <laughs> <laughs> it's always in the most unexpected moments i think like yeah, yeah. there's something to be said about being in a flow state like i think that that is the source of creativity um i'm i'm kind of like so um for uh, so i i would say last year and, and a bit of this year but but like uh so i'm my i would say my formal profession is a uh like a I can't say meditation coach, but it's more to do with like working with biofeedback and understanding and, and also teaching the the science, mostly like, you know, the 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 biophysics and so, sort of like the biochemistry and the neuroscience of mindfulness or meditation. And one of the things that like is is like tattooed on my brain is this this thing called um, the alpha brainwave state. It's this uh, it's this range that we we achieve somewhere between like um, I believe it's like seven and a half and twelve hertz, and the brain kind of just slows down into that state. And so, whenever you ask creative people, right, like where did you get that idea? Like, how, you know, where where did it come from? How did you make that? You know, and and most of them will just say like, it just came to me. I believe that like stuff doesn't come to you unless you're in an alpha brainwave state, which is the flow state, which is where you're just kind of like more internal focus than sort of external. You're kind of just like in this really calm and and somewhat internally focused state. And, you know, if you're out on the ocean and there's nobody there to like sort of talk to that, it tends to be the state that you're in, like just by default. So That's interesting, <laughs> yeah. too, because you, you hear a lot that like when scientists have their breakthroughs and shit, it, it's not ever when they're like they've been pouring over their work for hours on end. You know, it's always when they take a step back. And, and take a breath and kind of walk away from the situation. And then when they're not really like, you know, a hundred percent focused on it, like it just comes to you and nobody know we don't know where that comes from. It just like pops in your head and then they're like, Oh shit, that's it. And then they got to get back to work. But yeah, yeah. I, I find that interesting. It happens like to, to both artists and science types. There's this thing like when you look at the brain, like what you notice is that when people tend to be in that really like creative state or even flow state, or like you said, like sort of they've they've stepped back from the problem at hand. What we notice is that it's not that the brain becomes more active. You notice that certain parts of the brain just completely knock out. They become inactive and other parts of the brain and, and like very small, but but very specific parts of the brain light up. And that seems to be like almost like so the analogy here is kind of like... <clears throat> like an antenna it's almost like the antenna is now tuned to a certain frequency if you will like Carl Jung I'm, I'm a huge sort of like fan of Carl Jung he's this like just legendary um, psychoanalyst and he had this concept which you can't necessarily prove but it's just a fantastic idea of this thing called collective consciousness 
And so almost it's almost like a repository or a hard drive or like like cloud storage for every single idea that human beings have ever thought of that is stored in what we what we call what he calls collective consciousness. It's like the Akashic so field that. almost. The the Akashic hologram idea. Exactly, I used to read exactly, a lot about exactly. that when I was younger because it was always super interesting that like, all right, real magic probably doesn't exist. This is me when I'm like, you know, eleven or twelve or whatever. I'm like, cool, real magic doesn't exist, but there's this other shit that might exist, but I don't know. But it seems more sciencey. So I'm gonna follow that and like, yeah. The uh, the the two Akashic field books I read just really blew my mind about how like the universe could be just this holographic thing that is just full of all this information from all the different like uh, universes from before and, and stuff and yeah that that shit really blows my mind. I love that idea, man, and just tapping into that. I think that every single human being can when we knock out the part of our brain that's always talking, particularly, I mean, you know, it's the ego, right? But like as soon as the mind goes silent, it's like I, I liken it to like the ten, the antenna tuning to the right radio station and just picking up that signal and then actually broadcasting it. And it's not in words. It's almost in like images and emotions, which seems to be the language of the subconscious. And that's why, when, when, especially with creatives or with people trying to solve like <clears throat> difficult problems, it's not verbal. It's it's like a a flash of of something like like an image and emotion blended together that presents itself, and then the logical mind picks up on that and has to kind of like distill it down into words and maybe more more concrete ideas, and then do something with it. I always, but just... that also goes into this thing of like. Being creative is like only half of it. Like, cause I think there's a lot of people, not not just in the crypto space, but you know, just in the world in general, that like have these brilliant ideas, these creative sort of like ideas for art or or whatever, just creations, and they don't actualize it. Like, so so being creative is one thing, but like you gotta execute. Without execution, like nothing actually happens. You know. Yeah, that, and that's the hard part is having the follow through, having the time, not getting worn out by a nine to five grind or, or whatever else mm -hmm. is going on in your life. I feel like that kills a lot of creativity and a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, me, myself, I've had to work like day jobs. And then in order to make the music I want to make, it is a lot of like, I just got home from work. I'm tired, but hey, I want to do this. And if I don't do it now, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to wait all the way till tomorrow, all the way till after work. And then I'm, I may not want to do it there. And I found that the more consecutive days you don't do something like that, the easier it gets to just keep putting it off. And then eventually yeah. it's just not a thing in your reality anymore. And that's scary. Cause once it's gone, yeah. like you need some sort of outside help to get it back almost. Cause it's not yeah. in your mind anymore. Yeah, you just lose that inertia. I always I get like that if I'm like uh, falling asleep and if I think of like a lyric or an idea or something and I used to just like put it off and just be like, oh, whatever, I'll remember it in the morning. But the thing was, I never would. So I, I finally, I got into the habit of writing that shit down and oh my goodness, like the amount of like time it saved me just being able to go back to that notebook and refer to these things when I'm like, have a minute to, you know, reflect or do something like that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just like, you will find gold in the places where you do not, where, where, <clears throat> where you do not look or where you look and then do not actually Take that gold and put it in your pocket. I think what you're doing yep. here is actually taking the gold and putting it in your pocket because you know it's going to be gone. Because <laughs> if you don't, somebody else is going to come and tap into that field and then it's they're going to take it. Eventually, somebody's going <laughs> to put it in their pocket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For you real. First come, first serve. Exactly. I mean, the idea is out there. Exactly. <laughs> I always, too, assume, like, when, when you get that kind of flash of idea, that the flash was almost like the electrical signal part kind of giving birth in your brain of, like, here is that yeah. spark in a way. Uh, and then the feeling that follows it kind of being the chemistry side of your brain with the hormones and enzymes that, that get triggered after that spark of electricity that, that goes through there. Uh, I'm definitely not a brain scientist or anything, no, but okay. I listen to a lot of Duncan Trussell, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. I want to, I want to like go back to like what you said. I want to actually add two pieces, which like just, which triggered in my mind. Like, so the, the one thing that you mentioned, right, is that you, you just have to do it. Like, like 
even if you're not in the mood, you, you, you don't want to lose the inertia. And I wanted to say that like Hemingway actually said that he'd be like every single morning, regardless of what else was happening in his life, he would wake up and first thing he'd do in the morning, buck ass naked is he would stand. He doesn't, he didn't sit and write. He would stand on this like standing <laughs> desk at his typewriter and just write, regardless of whether it was shit or not, he would just write. And, and sometimes it was fantastic and sometimes he wasn't, but he knew, right? Just, you have to keep the momentum. You just gotta like put words to the page, regardless of how you feel. And that's what a professional does, right? That's, that was the first thing that, that I wanted to add. And then the second thing is, um, <clears throat> it's something that um, I learned from Jordan Peterson. Uh, I, I was, uh, so I mean, like I'm, I love learning stuff on YouTube, man. I'm, I'm just a gigantic nerd. But I, I was watching his um, his his course on um, what he calls psychometrics. Uh, psychometrics is a study of uh, the human personality, and there's these five sort of large uh, like personality traits that every single human being has that you're either high in or low in. And and what you were what you were talking about what what, what we were talking about earlier was like. Um, when people when people have these ideas, like half of them will not do anything about them because it it could be hard or because like you run into problems and you won't know how to proceed without like failure and then trying again and trying again. And there's this personality trait which Jordan Peterson talks about. It's called conscientiousness. People who are high in conscientiousness, they're willing to basically put in the work regardless of how dull or or you know boring or mind numbing it is and 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 just just plod on persevere try again fail try again fail try again fail and and going back to like like generative art like it is that i mean cuz you you are going to end up with crap you know 99% of the time and like <laughs> if you give up you don't end up with beauty like you just you have to keep like trying and you get stuff you get like feedback or results and then you you tweak your your sort of little uh, algorithm you tweak some of the numbers and you try again you see what you get and you try again and try again and eventually you do end up with with something that you you're proud of that you love but without that personality trait without without being high in conscientiousness it just it's just hard and it's not i mean okay you can say that some people are born with that but i i also believe that it's something that you can cultivate in yourself i mean i I, I do I do consider myself somewhat lazy, especially in like certain parts of my life or at certain times in my life. And I feel like I've come a long way since then. And it also depends on like what motivates you. Yeah. And that's I think that's that's the road we all have to come down eventually. It's like, how bad do you enjoy doing this? Is it bad enough that you're willing to do the boring, monotonous, shitty part when you're not good at it? To in order to eventually maybe get to a point where it can feed you or even not, you know, it, it could just be that thing that like you just take solace in doing. It's it's like that whole be here now, be present, be in the moment thing. There's very few things in life these days, at least, that you can do to to get in that state. And I feel like the the more creative aspects of of society and life are the things that put us there. And it almost seems yeah. like that's kind of why that grind is designed to kind of like get you out of there, because you know the 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 system that be maybe doesn't necessarily want a bunch of like creative hippies running around like painting glow paint and eating mushrooms together when you could be at the factory like cranking out widgets and sprockets and shit <laughs> i'm with you yeah i mean like i mean in one on one side you might have like a lot of productivity but then on the other side you may not you may just have like no productivity at all so but i mean okay so that brings us to like something else that i'm mulling over at the moment um so i have um i have like a baby girl right she's about seven months now and one of the conversations that my partner and I have, and I know this is like insane to have it because she's so young, but it's like, well, what about uh, university? Like, should we start? We should probably start planning for university, right? Like, what if she maybe wants to go to an Ivy League school? We got to like think about that as like maybe the the not necessarily the best case, but maybe the 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 scenario that we we may incur, and that might be a difficult scenario if we haven't sort of saved up and invested money and just like. Put, put a little bit away for the that possibility, right? And my partner is kind of like, um, 
Yeah, but like thinking about it from from the other from the other side, like don't you think that it's a bit um, stifling that maybe university is not the best option? And I'm and like, and this is coming from I mean, like from from my perspective, like I I'm very well educated. I not not to like you know brag or anything, but I. I was a, a university professor for two years. Didn't like it. Wasn't my thing. Walked away. Blah blah blah. But still, like <laughs> nice. I mean, you have to have a certain level of education to be yeah, a professor, yeah. right? Um, so I mean, I do value education, but I'm also an entrepreneur on the other side, and and I kind of enjoy entrepreneurship a lot more. But what she was saying to me was like, you know, that people who go to university um, tend to sort of like get. Um, programmed into a certain kind of lifestyle like you get to sort of be indoctrinated into this like you have to work either for a factory or you got to get a corporate job because that's the only way you're going to make it and so university tends to prepare us for that right. whereas maybe what the world needs is more entrepreneurs is more creativity is more sort of like execution without having to ask permission um so yeah i mean i don't know what's your take on this uh just this whole debate of like is is university somehow beneficial if you want to be an entrepreneur or, I mean, and should we all be entrepreneurs? I mean, it's a huge question, but yeah, what do you think I, about I this? I feel like, you know, if you would have asked me that like 15, 20 years ago, I would have been, yeah, because that's all we really knew. But yeah. like now it just seems like, like you have people like Peter Thiel being like, I'll just give you 250 grand to like not go to college and just come work for me at my company, you know, that kind of shit. Like yeah. you didn't have that back then, but what you did have was a lot of army, a lot of factory, a lot of that kind of work where you did need, you, you absolutely did not want people asking questions. They had to be like, mm -hmm. here's a task fucking get it done and don't come back until yeah. it's done kind of thing. Because if not, like mm -hmm. the shit that they're getting themselves into, it, it like required that sort of thing. So I, I got a, a little girl, she's five now. And like I, our approach has just been pretty much like as open-ended as possible. Like let them mm -hmm. figure it out, be there for support. If they want to go yeah. one way versus the other, like all you can really do at the end of the day is support that. I feel like if you try to intervene too much, then you do end up shaping that outcome, whether you yeah. notice it or not. And it may not be the outcome that you had in your mind that you wanted. You may guide and prod them into the university life and it may end up making them resent you and hate you for it yeah. and hate that life. So I, I have, and I mean, this is coming from somebody that like, like I'm 40 one now when I was growing up like having kids was never in my mind it, like it was never a thing so like this is not anything I absolutely like put a bunch of thought into like growing up or anything you know this is just yeah. like cool I've got a kid now she's five like here's how we're doing it <laughs> like you know off, off the off the freestyle basically but yeah it, and it the the best thing we we could do is just foster that curiosity and keep that spark going as, as much as possible we got our keyboards uh did like some little in-home mushroom growing kits for like edible mushrooms and stuff not the trippy kind obviously but uh, <laughs> you know just like learning biology learning how things grow we did the uh uh, kiwi crates, I think they're called Kiwi Co or whatever, where she gets like a different science based kit every month. And like you spend time with them building the stuff and it's all like STEM focused, which I think is really important. Even wow. if you're not going to be like a professor or an engineer, you should still have that like skeptical scientific mindset at yeah. least. So that, that's, that's, and I mean, I don't know shit about fuck, man. That, that's just like how we've been doing it, you know? And I mean, she's five, she's reading, she's doing everything really well. So, so far, so good. <laughs> I didn't like, okay, so, so, I mean, you get a box every month. What did you call that? Sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think we have that here in Bali. Oh yeah. I don't know. It's called Kiwi Co or Kiwi. Let me see. It's key. I heard about it on a, on the podcast, the Skeptics Guide to the Universe. Actually, it was an ad that they did, and I usually fast forward ads, but this one sounded yeah. kind of appealing. Yeah, KiwiCo. Yeah. KiwiCo, oh, and they do it so for like different ages and stuff. So we, uh, from when the time she was like probably under a year, like we've had these coming so she's got like all these projects and stuff but each one is different and it teaches them how to do stuff i promise they're not a sponsor we don't have sponsors on the show yet or anything but like th that's worked for us and and it's given her that curiosity so now like when she doesn't know stuff she asks and like we try to explain to her as best as best we can and and she has that like curiosity from you know just just nurturing it 
Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Like fostering um, curiosity is such such an important thing, and I think I feel like it's lacking. Like there's this um, there's this professor. I mean, she wrote a book as well. Her name is Dr. Carol Dweck, and she's one of the biggest proponents of um, this thing called growth mindset. And basically, what you're talking about is it, what it reminds me of is that is just like. Because uh, it's a big question, right? How do you foster growth mindset in children? And if you do that in children, then they grow up to to be adults with growth mindset. Because um, I mean, like you know, if you if you wind up with fixed mindset, if you're programmed that way, or if you just tend to kind of like go in the fixed mindset direction, you don't necessarily. I, I believe I believe you don't necessarily set yourself up for a high quality life. Like growth mindset in general is going to do that because it it leads you to like ask yourself the questions that you need to ask so that you can try new things so that you're always on the direction of like getting better at something, improving, changing, evolving. And I, I mean, like, I think that's one of the purposes of life. It may not be the largest one, but that constant sort of like journey toward um, just embetterment in some way. I think that's, that's what gives people the feeling of like fulfillment that you have, you know, a lot of just, good stuff happening in your life. Fixed mindset tends to kind of keep you in that bubble of like, well, this is all that I have. And this is all that I'm capable of. I'm stuck with it. These are the cards I've been dealt and there's nothing else I can do about it. It sets you up to be like the kind of person that bitches and moans and whines all the time. And nobody wants to be around that kind of person. <laughs> for real, for real. I almost wonder, like, do you fall more on the nature or nurture side? Because I, I almost wonder, like, are there certain types of people that just don't do as well with open-ended kind of like more curiosity-based lifestyles and that need that really strong structure? And, and I, I, I just wonder, like, is it people or is it how people were brought up? Or, I mean, I assume it's a little bit of both as most things tend yeah. to be, but... I'm I, a proponent of it being both. Um, but, you know, that's not to say that like certain things are not just... Um, inborn. Like, I believe that a lot of it is um, programmed. So um, children between the ages of like, you know, a few months and seven years. So for that first seven years of your life, you're basically in a state of hypnosis. It's a, it's a theta brainwave range. You don't have like a functioning sort of um, prefrontal cortex. So you can't like sort of rationally think about whether something is true or false. So you're just being programmed by your environment. So I think, okay, a lot of it is that the people in your environment, of course, parents and um, teachers, siblings, siblings play, play a huge role. And that sort of influences our 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 personality and our capabilities. But but we cannot discount the fact that pretty much every single one of us is born with certain characteristics or certain traits. So <clears throat> there's this um, amazing experiment where you take cows and um, you, you fence them in and the fence is like, um, you know, it, it has a current flowing through it, right? So it's an electric fence. And so the cows don't necessarily know that until they actually bump into the fence, maybe because they're they're trying to go past their sort of pasture. They bump into the fence and they and they get shocked and, and that sends this sort of jolt of fear inside them. And then they avoid the fence after that. And then when they have calves, those calves don't even need to go to the fence to know that it's like something to be fearful of because oh, they're programmed that way. It's almost like, and, and there, so it's like, you, you can see that that is like three, four generations down. They're just afraid of fences, regardless of whether they've actually bumped into it or not, whether it's, it has a current flowing through it or not. So I believe that like, okay, but not, not only fear, but a lot of it, a lot of the fear that we have is sort of like, what we inherit, perhaps, it's passed from our previous... down. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, That's going back to Jordan Peterson's like personality traits, there's this this trait. This it's a huge thing. It's called neuroticism. And so, some people are just high in neuroticism for for no apparent reason other than that maybe they inherited that and some people are lower in, in neuroticism and that's not to say again that you can't change your level of neuroticism over time based on like practices, but. You are you are brought into the world that way, and you kind of so perhaps perhaps now I don't know for sure, but perhaps if you're higher in neuroticism, you're lower. So the five trait uh, traits are neuroticism, openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness, and damn it, I don't remember the last one at this moment. <laughs> and forgetfulness. <laughs> <laughs>
So openness, right? So if you're lower in openness, you're higher in neuroticism, you probably do need structure. You probably need to follow a certain sort of like, you know, guidance in order to learn or in order to improve. Whereas if you're higher in openness, and by the way, people who, um, who've had at least one psychedelic experience tend to be higher in openness, <laughs> you're probably better with open-ended questions and, and more sort of like, um, le- sorry, less structured ways of learning or experience. Oh yeah, and I didn't I even know. know that. And I feel like if I would have known that stuff in school, I could have like planned better for it. But I was always, always the type that would just wing it. Like I would wait till the last minute. I would wing it, and I would like pass with a good enough grade. I wasn't failing. I wasn't getting straight A's, but I was like B's and C's, sometimes A's, and like that was it. And I just thought I was yeah. like slacker. It, none of that shit really interested me a whole lot. But it is like a certain type of mindset that that uh, yeah. Do are we getting that from the field, the collective knowledge, or you, you see that a lot in? in people like almost the 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 kings and queens of old how they thought like all of this goodness and greatness was in their bloodlines and shit and they were like passing it down and like fucking each other and having like this terrible like genetics but like they were the kings and queens you know it, it's got that same feel to it it's very interesting <laughs> uh. <laughs> I am the king because my father's 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 father was the king. <laughs> like, that is the worst way. <laughs> oh, man. And then, yeah, the constant inbreeding as well. In yeah, the, uh, yeah, in that the wasn't doing them any favors at all. <laughs> But I do think it's interesting, the more we get towards this like abundance of sorts, the more we don't really need to train people to be mindless drones at these corporate jobs because we've got scripts and algorithms that do that. It frees up a lot of humanity time to do more humanity-based things. And I don't think all of humanity is really on board with that. I, I think some people are so in that way of thinking that like if you took that structure away, they would literally go crazy with without it yeah, yeah that's sad isn't it like okay so i was listening to the um the the most recent i think he it was like yesterday or something uh so there's the lex friedman podcast with elon musk and he was talking about this idea right like of how basically um ai and robotics is going to replace most of the workforce um and then we're probably going to have some form of universal basic income um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that there is resistance to that, maybe because people identify with like what they do, right? Like I've worked in a factory my whole life or I've, I've driven a taxi my whole life. Like, what are you saying that a machine can do this better than me for, for like zero cost or for a much lower like, cost? Yeah. You should doesn't... look at that as like the dopest shit ever. Not like, oh, God damn, we're being replaced. But I understand yeah. why they don't, because generally when people get replaced like that, they're not taken care of. So, of course, you have this intrinsic fear that, like, oh, shit, we're all going to be homeless. It's like, no. Once we get all of this shit, like, self-sustaining, then nobody's going to be homeless. Nobody's going to be hungry. All we're going to do is have time to, like, eat, sleep, and be merry at that point, you know? Like, it's it's on. And I I feel like a lot of the stuff that, like, uh, Friedman and Musk talk about come from that old Kurzweil book, The Age of Spiritual Machines, where he makes those predictions for, like, 10 years, 50 years, and 100 years down the line. And where right now it seems like we're somewhere between that 40 to 100-year mark uh, with the technology that we're getting and and it's exciting yeah. like we might actually be alive to see some of that shit which is really cool yeah. to me. i mean okay we are seeing the beginnings of i think what I, I might describe as like universal basic income but i i i don't see that as like not doing anything for it but like i mean i think that's what you know like it's play, play to earn, earn play to earn. <laughs> like i mean you're you're enjoying yourself and you're making money out of doing it like and i wouldn't say that it, like ai or robotics would not enjoy doing that but i mean there's tasks for for them like for us now it's kind of like okay well do something somewhat creative slash productive and earn earn out of that you know but but it also goes to the fact that i think a lot of um, a lot of us um, are are just we subscribe to that whole fixed mindset thing. This is that used to annoy me a little bit. Like, okay, so 
the the most common job for men um, just all over the world is um, driver. And once we have like, so what Musk is working on is, um, you know, just basically the um, uh, self-driving, right? Um, and, and so it's going to be so that a self-driving car is at least two or three times safer than a human being behind the wheel. So once that happens, you know, obviously we have a huge, huge percentage of the world population, particularly of, of the male population that are out of work. Um, secondly, with, with women, um, the most common job for women all over the world tends to be um, factory worker. And so, again, we're going to with automation and all that, we are losing these these um these particular vocations for humans and so okay so on the one hand yes they they're fearful because like they they've lost their livelihood but like if you have growth mindset then you can and and every human being is capable of learning a new skill it takes a little while but everyone can do it if you can you know think and and sort of write or or speak or whatever you're capable of learning a new skill and then applying that knowledge to some other new vocation where where we might not have good AI or robotics to to cover that yet. And I, I think that I, people I, are sort of some of that. I almost feel like that's what this whole movement to like people call it onboarding the normies or the onboarders getting the everyday normal person into crypto. It almost seems like by doing that, we're easing that transition where we're replacing some of their income with some yield farms and some nice savings accounts in DeFi and stuff like that. So you're not immediately taking them out of that workforce and saying, now you have no money, figure it out. But over time, by onboarding them slowly and them onboarding their friends and family, it kind of spreads out like that, almost like a mycelial growth of sorts. And like eventually yeah. people start getting a little bit of income here, a little bit there, a little bit there. And pretty soon, I feel like before you know it, we're all like living on these yields and stuff. And and then, you know, it's not a big deal when Musk and, and his army of robots are finally ready to actually do some replacing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's necessary, like particularly at this, at this time. Yeah, the sooner that people get into crypto and understand that you can you can do something new and you can still provide for yourself and your family. I think the better we all are. I mean, like this, this whole migration to Web3 and the metaverse is such an interesting conversation. I'm curious to see like the pace at which it goes, but yeah, it's, it, and it, it, it is, it is difficult keeping up even for people who've been into crypto for a while. So I can understand. For like, real. The first, uh, the, the first shitcoin season in 2017, there was no being in 123 discord servers. Like that wasn't a thing, you know, like I feel like this season and what it's, what it's brought us has been so much more involved as far as the communities that are growing. And maybe, maybe it's like that on purpose. Maybe it's the technology technology guiding us towards what it wants and what it needs to become what we want it to be and what we actually need it to be. And we may not just know it yet. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I mean, I do believe that there is some form of like guidance or some form of like just some something that knows more than, than our particular, I don't know, you could call it like source consciousness or whatever but i feel like yes a lot of us are sort of being guided towards something and then we can either resist that or we can kind of move uh in that direction that it's guiding us toward and the ones that do tend to benefit greater than the ones that resist it or move toward it more slowly bro we are but all just cows trying not to get shocked <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> just no, try to no, avoid he's not, a, he's not friendly <laughs> <laughs> for real it's it's interesting watching it too from the point of view of of being in all these different discord servers and watching how the different communities gravitate towards the different artwork towards the different utilities it it, it kind of is almost like a self-organizing life form in a way it's super interesting Ah, uh, and it's only the beginning, isn't it? <laughs> right, right. We forget how early this is. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's epic, man. Um, I love it. I love it. 
you how do you have conversations with people like that don't really know much about just I mean either the crypto space or even just like the NFT space? Like how do you broach it? Because I mean, okay, when I when I talk to to like um friends or acquaintances, um I just see like these I get this sort of like doe in the headlights look very, very often, like, like just, you know, eyeballs sort of like wide open, like what's, yeah, what's the general reaction that it's, you get? And like, how do you speak about it? It's basically that meme that one of our interns always likes to post where he's like, I just did this thing, but you wouldn't get it. You know, like sometimes I just, I feel like that and you can really quickly tell the people that are in it for the life and the people that are just trying to make a quick buck by how they mm. conversate and the passion that they show when they talk about what they're doing in the space. And it's, it's a real quick gauge on like, are you just bullshitting for some cash or like, are you really in it to build some shit? Cause if we're going to build, like yeah. let's build, but if not, like yeah. forget it. I wish we had more builders to be honest. Like, um, and maybe we'll get there. Like, I think that's also another benefit of just onboarding more and more people because there's huge amounts of talent that have not yet been onboarded for, I don't know, maybe because like, you know, the, the 2017 ICO era just put a lot of people off and like the, the huge sort of like 50, 60, 70% drawdowns that we go through and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. I can understand why yeah, people are fearful but it's it's sad that like yeah we just don't like the, the talent is flowing in as slow as it is i think it has um, to spread it, it needs time to spread like a, a few years ago i had no idea what rust is i still don't know how to code by any stretch of the imagination but we know what it is we know what languages we need to be using to develop what we're developing and i feel like the younger generations are latching onto that and they're like like we have we have this server room in here called learn new things or get wrecked and uh mm. the interns they've become self-aware they've become sentient and now they're teaching themselves how to code uh and it, mm. it's really cool to watch and obviously not everybody's able to do it i'm not in there learning how to code but i will definitely direct new interns into that room that seem like they mm. have that passion to want to learn uh and i think it's all about that just like fostering that in that younger generation and being like all right this is the new goal. This is the new factory. This is the new war or whatever. Like this is the yeah. focus and this is what we need to be learning and training and, and developing. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I think that that is, if it's, if any, like if you were to pick just one skill set, I think that would be the best skill set to pick. I mean, it, like, okay, well, if vocationally, maybe like, I think communication skills are up there as well. But if you already have those or you have some semblance of communication skills, then yeah, learning a programming language, my God. It builds but, but on like it, right? Like not everyone's going to be able to do that, but the ones that can do that will have achieved other things on the way to get there. You know, like they'll have yeah. good reading comprehension or they'll have a good this or that because you need those things to be able to code. You need that attention to detail. You need these certain traits to, to be able to execute yeah. properly. And it's a nice balance too. Like we see some of the best teams where, I mean, if you look at Apple, right, it was Wozniak and Jobs. Unfortunately, Wozniak doesn't really get talked about very much. I mean, just because like, but he was, he he is Apple. I mean, yeah, like, okay, yeah. so you need like the communicator and then you also need like the technical skills. Yeah, because you can't put like, you, you can't have the coders going up in front of a thousand people like Balmer and like running around like a crazy guy yelling about Microsoft or BitConnect or, you know, whatever the front man is yelling about. There's just those personality traits just don't seem to mesh well. Granted, every yeah, now and again, true. you'll get a Jobs that is very, uh, would he have that that reality distortion field that people called it when people would be within 10 feet of him or something? Like, he they, he <laughs> bent them to his will, basically. Like, that doesn't happen very often, you know? Yeah. But he also had a very good attention to detail. Like, I think yeah. okay, everybody has the skills that they need, like, to do the thing that they're meant to do. It's just finding it, isn't it? Like, um, for me, like, okay, even like learning, like you said, okay, I think it, it's important to to have an awareness of, of what these languages are, even if you're not like um, inclined to learn how to program, but just like the fact that, yeah, we understand that. Okay, know there is that a they exist. 
Yes, yes. And even know the blockchains that are associated to them. Like, for example, yep. the Terra blockchain and the Solana blockchain both run on Rust, but they're kind of different. They don't right. actually, like, you can't just port one thing over to the next. However, like, okay, with the EVM chains, it's kind of nice. Okay, so they all use Solidity and there is quite a bit of cross compatibility. Like, knowledge is, is, is just, it's, it's just cool knowing that because then it also gives you a slight sort of like edge um, where, where it might be required. And you never know when it's going to be required. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the amount of new people, like in, in 2017 and 18, when I first got into this, I thought I was late as hell. I was like, there's no way this is like going to be a good time for me to, and like, that was early. And now like, we're still seeing people get in who this is their first. It's like, holy shit. If I wasn't <laughs> late then, like I'm, we're still early now. Like it, it blows my mind. The amount of people that have never like, Terra being their first blockchain, like bless your heart for not ever having to deal with like ETH gas fees or like getting rugged on like PoCoin or FunCoin or whatever back in 2018. Like you guys are lucky, man. But and even in in a couple years, you know, those people are going to be early just because of the amount and the breadth of this thing that is getting built here. Like this isn't something that's going to be done in a few months. You know, like this is this is a life time endeavor here i feel like i mean yeah i agree i definitely agree we're going <sighs> to mars man so what's uh what's on the roadmap for your art we should probably talk a little bit about your art before we yeah. wrap this up uh we should also give you a podcast on terra spaces and we'll just talk about cool psychedelic shit he's <laughs> so good um Okay, roadmap. So, okay, like, so it's it's really, it's more, it's just about art, isn't it? Like, I I like what, um, I, I think it was, it was X-Copy. <clears throat> I like what X-Copy said. He said that, like, not all NFTs need utility. It's nice when they have them, but honestly, like, I also think there's a big sort of, there's room, there's room for projects where it's like, let's nurture art. Yeah. Um, so for me... Okay, so for me, I guess the the roadmap, if if you want to call it that, is to be aware of what's happening into the in the space and to adapt, right? Like I do want to continue putting art out. I want to have um, a community behind the art. I want I want people to kind of appreciate. I want people to actually like print these things and put them up so that they can be admired, not just by the NFT holder, but by other people as well who may not know a damn thing about NFTs. Um, I want to nurture other creatives to create. It doesn't have to be generative. It's nice. It doesn't have to be psychedelic. That would be nice. But <laughs> any form of art and put it out on the blockchain, build a small community, get to know other people in the crypto space. Um, I feel like it's a nice way of onboarding people. Um, I've had quite a few people actually come up to me um, once they found out that like, you know, I'm... I'm um, I'm running this NFT project and I'm putting out on the blockchain who've actually come up and said, look, I need a little bit of help. I have like this, this concept or this idea that um, I don't know if it's, if it's worth it to put on and, and I don't know where it's going to go. And, and I, I, my answer is always kind of like, well, neither do I, man. Like you just got to pull the trigger and see what happens <laughs> and then just be sort of like willing to change, willing to adapt, have that growth mindset. You, you never know. Um, you have some pieces currently available on nowhere.art. Are there any on Talus or is, is it just oh, nowhere okay, for okay, now? Let, yeah, let me show my project. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm, I'm trying to buy some here. Like, come on. <laughs> All right. So um, the original collection is called Groovy Afterlife. And we are on Solana, on pretty much every marketplace that you can log on to on Solana, you'll find us. Um, we are on Phantom as well, pretty much every marketplace. Uh, on Phantom, there's, I believe there's like three or four now. Um, so there's um, X.XYZ, there's Arteon, but my favorite is Paintswap.io, that's a good one. Um, we're on... Um, we're on the OG marketplace. Um, what's what's it called? Tezos on the Tezos blockchain. We're oh, on, nice. Uh, you know what? I liked Tezos. I, I got into yeah. XTZ when uh, a little after I got into ADA. And I just, I really liked it. I never got into any of the communities, never got into any of the NFTs. I just really liked the token for some reason. Couldn't even tell you why. I just liked it. <laughs> 
Okay, they, uh, and, and I think that they don't have the best tokenomics in the world, but I will tell you one thing, man, like what I realized uh, once I launched this project was that serious artists put their stuff on Tezos. Like Tezos is, I mean, it doesn't have much DeFi. There isn't that much going on. They don't have a lot of like, you know, uh, total value locked on their chain, but it is still, if, if like, if I have to like, crown a particular blockchain for like art particularly one of one art for like really creative pieces tezos wins hands down hick at nunk is like the sort of it's like a launch pad for artists like for for real artists that's um, cool I, so i mean i do have some pieces on there there's there's hick at nunk there's color mint on that particular chain um i I've, I've also got groovy afterlife pieces on harmony one um, that blockchain is is getting it's getting some attention at the moment because of DeFi uh, kingdoms, which is this right, um, right. sort of gamefi system. It's it's cool. It's getting traction. Uh, their NFT um, their NFT scene is still quite young, but there are some fantastic artists out there. Um, the interns yeah, seem to the interns built made themselves a guild, and I see them playing that game a lot. I I haven't touched yeah. it. I I don't really have much time to do anything but edit audio these days. But they seem to really like it. So I it seems like a good game. Uh, people dig it. I think yeah, like they they're doing a fantastic job. It's admirable just to see what they're doing because they're they're making DeFi fun. They're making it like approachable to That's people. That's the who trick, don't though, right? Play. Like you yeah, have to gamify right. shit, otherwise people are like, "Oh, I'm not doing it." But oh, it's a game. Oh hell yeah, I'll farm. I'm not gonna go out and farm, but I'll farm in a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a gateway drug. I, yeah, I see it yeah. As a gateway drug. First one's free. First one. <laughs> <laughs> so we've also got groovy afterlife pieces on nowhere art. Now we we've come up with so so that was like our our sort of initial offering to the sort of NFT scene. Since then we've also launched a couple of other collections. Um, one of them is called Groovy Lunacy, which is on Talus. So Groovy Afterlife is on Nowhere.art and Groovy Lunacy is on Talus. And actually on the 1st of January, so um, depending on when people get this, but so for, for us, it's like two days from now, or at least in my time zone, it's two days from now. On the 1st of January, um, I believe it is anywhere between like, you know, 3 a.m. and, you know, 3 p.m., depending on your time zone, we're launching our next collection. And this one is called um, Groovy Trip. This one is going to be launching on randomearth.io. We're going to be a featured mint. So we'll be up on their on their landing page. Nice. Um, they're all our collections tend to be fairly small. Like I do launch on multiple chains. I never repeat a piece. But they all tend to be somewhat small. So they tend to be like between 100 to 300 pieces uh, per collection on these chains. So the the Groovy Afterlife collection on Nowhere.art, that's a 300-piece collection. The Talus collection, Groovy Lunacy, that is a 100-piece collection. And the collection launching on Random Earth on the 1st of Jan, that is a 200-piece collection, Groovy Trip. Thank you for allowing me to show that. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I, I love that you you take the FOMO out of the situation because you're on all the blockchains. You cannot FOMO when you are on all of them. That, and I think that's awesome. And especially that obviously you're not repeating any of the art. Each one gets its own thing. Uh, that's super cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just want people to kind of like dig the art for the art's sake. Like I want them to buy them and kind of like... I'm really trying to gather a group of people that like, I mean, okay, flipping is fine. I'm not against flipping. I flipped art. I flipped NFTs before, but I mean, it's always nice to have a community of like somewhat diamond handed folks holding on to it because they like the piece. And um, yeah, just the fact that we're, we're on all chains. Yeah. It's just, you're, it's accessible. Like wherever you feel like, you know, you want to kind of like buy in and hold that piece and join the community. It, it is, um, so we have like a private uh, Discord channel, but of course the whole Discord server is open to anyone who wants to just come in and hang out. We sometimes talk about like stuff that's happening in the DeFi world on um, on other chains. We talk about like what's happening in crypto. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, trying to foster a space where people can kind of just shoot the shit, I guess. I, I found it earlier. I, I, I snuck in there. I think through the back door and I've, I've been chilling, 
just chilling. I do like when projects can stand on their art. It seems like when you have to force a utility for the sake of utility, it never comes out right. Like if it's going to be art, just be art. Like you can be art and that's fine. And I also feel, I don't want to make any flippers mad, but like flippers be acting really entitled, you know, like you owe them the world for the two or three. And so like, I will take a community of 10 hardcore people that love the art over a community of like 500 flippers. That's just me though. I know like other people like to the, the, the thrill of the hunt as they say, and like ripping packs open and flipping what they can quick and and all that. It's just not my vibe, man. It's to to me, it it feels like domain squatting back in the, the dot-com boom. And I just, (laughs) it's like scalping concert tickets is that to me. I'm sure it doesn't feel like that when you're making a bunch of money doing it, but on looking (laughs) at, in from the outside it's just got a feel to it that i i just try to avoid them feels you know i'm with you Um, (laughs) just give me the art baby and make it nice that's all i need (laughs) hell yeah groovy afterlife man that's awesome i gotta definitely send raf some uh, illiquid jpegs for for introducing us because that was awesome for sure I, I do have another value proposition to, that I do have to add to like um, being a holder. Um, it's a, it's um it's it's the way that I I sort of give back to my community. So being on all these chains is kind of cool because like every time, and I have no no sort of intention on stopping. Like I do I do like being a part of as many chains as I can, and at yes. least putting out art onto different chains. So one of the value propositions for being a, a holder of, of either Groovy Afterlife or Groovy Lunacy or any one of our upcoming collections is that just holding a piece means that you're going to get a free airdrop on any chain that we launch on from when you've bought that piece into the future. Um, and you can talk to people in our Discord. Like There have been people who bought into like the first launch on Solana I think that was back in September and they now have, I'm assuming they have a groovy afterlife piece on every chain that we're on so far, including both, both pieces on, uh, on, uh, Terra. And the funny thing is like every now and again, I'll get this like comment of like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta install another wallet. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, man, welcome to the club. I'm I'm onboarding you into all these chains. How many you think I got? I have like three for each one of these chains. So come on, you can install one and get some damn free art. (laughs) I just found your project on Talus. These are super cool. I, I was looking at the ones on Nowhere, and those are cool. They remind me of kind of like stained glass feel, but the ones on yeah. uh, the ones on Talus, I really like that kind of. It, it reminds me of like the old like blue India ink kind of designs. Yeah. Like I kind of vibe with these a little more, but I'm definitely gonna have to pick up one of each because that's what I like doing. Great. These are dope. Hell yeah. We'll put links to all these two in the show notes over on terraspaces.org and links to the Discord server. Come hang out, talk about eating mushrooms and tripping on beaches and stuff with us. Have a good, oh, yeah. old, good old time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Is there anything else you want to mention or any, any other links that I, I might have missed uh, before we get out of here? No, Finn, I just want to thank you so much for having me. This was, this was really a fun conversation. We, we dove deep into like topics that i never thought we'd actually like address in a in the a podcast like uh, i mean you didn't think we're we're just going to talk about nfts for a whole hour i mean come on no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> that's awesome I, i'm glad that we can still keep up that sort of like allure and and that's why people ask me they're like so do you have any questions prepared and i'm like nope does that make you uncomfortable? And they're like, sometimes I'm like, all right, well, I mean, we're just going to like shoot the shit. Like we're two friends that haven't seen each other in a while and see what happens. You know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. It flew, man. This thing, it, 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 there was a lot of flow in this conversation. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's awesome. Bob, I appreciate your time. Definitely. And uh, feel free to hang out in the, in the intern cap discord. We got a job posting section. If you need an intern for anything, or I need to post up a a task that you need done, uh, that's a spot to do it. And uh, yeah, check out the site, groovyafterlife.xyz, and we'll put links to the Twitter and Discord and the uh, Nowhere Gallery and Talus as well. And then, uh, yeah, keep an eye out January 1st, 2022 on Random Earth. How much are the mints going to be? Are they USTs? Uh, What what are we charging? um, 
I think they're going to be 1.5 Luna each, and there's only going to be um, 200 of them up for grabs. 1.5. Awesome. I will throw that up in the, uh, we have like an upcoming section for when things are going to launch and where they're going to launch at people can check out. So we'll definitely get it up there before the first and the episode will obviously posted before that as well. So point people there and uh, yeah, look forward to the mint and uh, look forward to another conversation and possibly uh, doing some, some mushrooms down at the beach one day. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, Finn. Oh, yeah. Have, have a good day, Bob. Appreciate it. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along, and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties Huge sums of money that go to the record label per playback Can seem insultingly small Many rights holders How to turn profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Aw, shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence like we forgot how to choose. What happens when people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabbit dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music